Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms. You're going to be talking about some of the moms from the Bible today. Everyone is influenced by their mother, be it for good or be it for bad. Moms have a powerful, powerful influence. As I was thinking, as I was thinking about today, um, I was trying to find, think of women in the Bible who we can actually um, see from the stories in the Bible the influence that they had on their children. And the first one um, we're going to look at today is Rebecca. And I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but um, I, Rebecca had twins, Jacob and Esau. You remember the story of the twins? And Jacob had um, kind of finagled uh, Esau into giving him his birthright one day when he was hungry. He had come in from the fields, and he was real hungry, and he smelled some food that um, Jacob was cooking, and he said, oh, give me food right now or else I'm going to die. He said, well, he said, uh, only if you promise to give me your birthright, because Esau was the older of the two twins. And so he promised him. But then when um, Isaac was getting older, the father was getting older, he wanted to, in the Jewish culture, they passed on the blessing of the family. Um, the father blessed the oldest son. And so he, Isaac, if you read the scripture, he always thought he was dying. He was one of those people who always kind of had that mentality that, you know, he, he was an old man and, and he was getting ready to die. And, and so he wanted to pass that blessing on before he died. He lived quite a while, quite a while after this story. But when Rebecca, his mom, heard that he was going to do that, she got her son, Jacob, who was the younger of the two, and said to, to him, hurry up, go, uh, he, your father told Esau to go, um, Esau was the hunter, go get a, an, uh, kill an animal with some venison and to cook it for him and he was going to bless him. She said, go out to the flocks and get a, a kid of the goats and, and hurry up, get it and we'll fix it up and I'll, you'll go in and you pretend to be Esau so you get the blessing. Wow, that was quite a scheme, huh? <laughs> Jacob was a little nervous about it. He said, well, you know, Esau, he's, he's, he feels different than me. He's hairier than I am, and he's, he has that smell of the fields because he was not doing that. And so she said, don't worry about a thing. I got it all figured out. Uh, we'll put some animal skins on you so that you feel real hairy just like Esau. He must have been really hairy. And uh, <laughs> um, we'll, 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 your father, his father couldn't see real good. He said, we'll trick, your, we'll, we'll trick your father. And so they carried out their plan. They were successful with it. But Jacob, he struggled all his life with deceit and with being de being deceived and being deceitful. What his mother influenced and sowed into his life repeated itself throughout his lifetime. He eventually fled from home because his brother Esau was so mad at him for doing that, and he went to live with his uncle Laban, and there he wanted to marry his youngest daughter, and uh, Laban deceived him and gave him his oldest daughter. Um, how that happened, we, we don't understand completely, but um, <laughs> he did it. And then his uncle Laban changed his wages and deceived him and said, I'm going to pay you, I'm going to give you this, these animals will be yours, these animals. And he was always tricking them. He was always tricking them. So his mother's influence over his life caused, it, 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 it generated, it, it, 
it bred, it grew into many, 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 many um, different venues of deceit after deceit after deceit. And it was with him all the way until way later in his life after his children were grown and he was a huge army. Finally, he had had enough of Laban's deceitfulness and he said, I'm going to go back home. Hopefully Esau, he, he heard his, that Esau, his brother, wasn't too far away and he was he was hoping to be reconciled and hoping that Esau wasn't still at trying to kill him. And in that desperate hour, he finally came to grips with his deceitful nature and wrestled with an angel that we know to be the angel of the Lord. And finally, his name was changed from deceiver to prince with God. And he had that experience. But look at the influence that Rebecca had on his life. And so it's just an example to us of how influential a mother's life can be. Then we have Hannah. And this is a, a more positive uh, influence. I'm sure Rebecca so good things. I, I, don't, I just want to balance that out by saying Rebecca wasn't all bad. She, she had his best interests at heart, but it was a deceitful way to bring it about. You understand that. All moms have their children's best interests at heart. They want the best for their kids. If, you, if you're a mom, that, that's, that's how it is. Um, Hannah, she was barren, and she couldn't uh, conceive. And so we know the story. She, many of you do know the story. She went and she prayed. They went to the temple each year at feast time. And she was praying and praying and praying that God would hear her prayer and that she would be able to bear a, a son and bear a child and, and be a mom. And as she prayed there in the, in the temple, the priest saw her praying. And at first he rebuked her and he said, what's the matter? Because she was praying. Her lips were moving, but no words were coming out. And so... He said to her, what's the matter with you? Are you drunk? You, you know, you shouldn't be drinking at this hour of the day. And she said, oh, no. She said, she said I'm not drunk. She said, I'm beseeching the Lord. Um, and he said, well, whatever, God is, whatever the petition of your heart is, may God grant it to you. And she took that as a promise from God. And she believed God that she was going to have a son. And she did. And Samuel was her firstborn. She had many other children after that. And she promised when she asked for that child that if God would give her that son, she in turn would return him back to the Lord to serve him. Wow, what a promise, huh? And she kept her promise. And when he was, when he, we don't know exactly how old he was, probably not much more than five, six, or seven, somewhere in that area, she had the courage. Now, when you think about this, and I'm sure every mom will completely understand that this was an amazing act of faith and trust, what she did. First of all, she decided she was going to take her son to the temple to live with the priest where he could be trained up in the ways of God. Now, Eli was not even a, a godly man, the priest, okay? He was not a he was not a good father to his own sons. And yet she had the faith and she had the confidence that this was the way she was going to fulfill the promise that she had kept. God had given her this child and she was going to give this child back to God and trust God that he was going to use this child to be a blessing in Israel. 
And God honored her faith, you have to say that, because I don't know how a mother could could actually do that, take their child to that 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 particular priest and just leave him there to be raised up by him. And she did it. And we know that we can tell that she must have sowed into Samuel's life in the years she had him at home powerfully because what do we see? We see that although he's raised by a man who doesn't even hear from God anymore, as 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 Samuel's in the temple, we have the story given to us of how he hears his name being called, Samuel, Samuel, and he thinks it's Eli. And here God is trying to speak to him. And even Eli, it took him three times before it dawned on him that maybe God was trying to speak to the boy. And Samuel began to hear God's voice speak to him, and he spoke God's word to the people. It says of Samuel at the end of his life that not one of his words fell to the ground, meaning that he was careful in what he said. He said what God gave him to say. He didn't just make stuff up and say, thus saith the Lord. He he was true to, to what he heard from heaven. He gave to the people. That was his mother's influence on his life, I have to tell you because it wasn't from Eli. We see Eli's, God's judgment came on Eli, and it was it was not good. His sons were, were killed in battle, and um, he, um, he, he also lost his life at the same time. So it was a sad end, but Samuel, God raised him up, and God used him to remember to anoint Saul. If the people wanted a king, he anointed Saul as king. And then Saul failed miserably, but Samuel was faithful to him. Samuel was faithful. And then God said, come on, Samuel, I have found a man after mine own heart. Come, anoint him king. And he did. Samuel was faithful. And so we see the powerful influence that Hannah had over the life of Samuel and all of Israel as a result. Okay? Then the next one that I want us to to think about is um Samson's mother. We don't even know her name. The Bible does not even give us her name. And But the angel of God came and appeared to her and said that she too was, was barren, that she was going to have a son, and that the son was going to be uh, set apart as a Nazarite, which, which had uh, rules and regulations attached to it. He couldn't cut his hair. He was not supposed to drink strong drink, and there were there were other things. And that he was going, God was going to raise him up to be a prophet in Israel. And so um, then the then the angel appeared to both um, Samson's mother and father. Manoah was the father. We know that, but we don't know her name. And you know the story of Samson. He was a mighty prophet. He killed many Philistines. But he had a real problem with making good choices, didn't he? And the choices he made in his uh, love life, in his marriage relationships, led him, What? Did, where did they get him? Imprisoned with his eyes poked out of his head when God had wanted him to be a prophet that would bring deliverance to Israel. Now, some deliverance did come through him. But do you think that it was all that God really intended as a result of his choices in marriage? You remember the story of Delilah? He he wanted the Philistine. His parents weren't happy about that. It says that in the word. His parents were not happy about him getting married to her, but apparently they didn't have enough influence to stop it from happening. And 
She pretended that she loved him. Meanwhile, the the enemies were paying bribing her to get the information of how to do Samson in. <laughs> so we see there that the influence of his parents perhaps wasn't strong enough to help him to empower him to make good choices. And so we see that that affects, doesn't it? It didn't only affect his own personal life, but it affected the lives of many others. Okay. And then in the New Testament, we have this one also, a negative one, unfortunately, of Herodias. Um, she was a wicked, wicked woman. Um, she was, I want to say she was the wife of Herod. I believe that's, that's where she was the sister-in-law to Herod or something like that. I, I'm sorry, I should have got that straight. But, but what she did was her, when, when Herod had a birthday party, her, her daughter danced before Herod. She influenced her daughter to sensuality and to, to be sexy and attractive. And he got so excited and so heated up that he wanted to know, what can I give you? What can I give you to the half of my kingdom? You can have it. And she asked her mother, and her mother was the one who made the decision, who influenced her. And what did the mother say? The mother said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a, on a, on a plate, on a charger. Wow. That's quite an influence, isn't it? Because John the Baptist had spoken out about the sin that they were living in there in the palace. They were, Herod had taken his brother's wife, and it was incestuous. It was, it was, it was wrong. It was evil. It was sinful. And John the Baptist came saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they didn't like that. It got under his skin. And so we see there the powerful influence. That girl could have asked for anything, and yet she allowed her mother to influence her to, to behead the forerunner, the one who came to prepare the way for the Messiah of all mankind. Isn't that something? It's a powerful influence, isn't it? So we see that that mom has tremendous influence over her children. And then uh, Jesus had disciples, and of course they all had moms. And there was one whose name was Salome. She was the mother of James and John. And she tried to use her influence to say to Jesus, Jesus, my sons, they're the best. <laughs> Did you notice my sons? My sons, they need to be right next to you. Number one and number two, my sons. Well, it's normal, right? It's a mother's heart. She wants the best for her sons. Jesus said, you want, she, he said, he said, First of all, it's not mine to give. Second of all, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said, oh, yes, Lord. Had the mother known that that was going to mean martyrdom, she may not have been so swift to try and influence Jesus to make her, her, her sons number one and number two. And so we see sometimes that, you know, our own heart, good intentions, but we need to know his heart, don't we? We need to know his heart. But the influence was there. They did follow Jesus in martyrdom, and um, and don't believe they were sorry for it, but she, I'm sure it was a grief to her. All right, and then um, we have another one, a positive one, in Eunice and Lois. Eunice and Lois are mother and grandmother of Timothy. And Paul says, 
of Timothy, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Paul loved Timothy. Um, Timothy was his understudy, so to speak, and um, he's mentioned in so many of Paul's letters. When Timothy comes, or Timothy came and brought me my coat, or or bring me this, Timothy, or Timothy was near and dear to Paul's heart, and Paul recognized that he had been influenced by the faith of his mother and of his grandmother. Both of them had had a powerful influence on his life. So we see there, in kind of in capsule form, quite a wide spectrum of influence that moms had on their sons as we look into God's Word together. It's the testimony of many that their mother's teaching influenced the whole rest of their lives. Sometimes we say, as we grow older, I'm not going to be like my mom. But as we get older, (laughs) we think, oh, I just did that, and that is just what my mom would have done. (laughs) And we start to realize that what our moms have taught us does become a part of us, no no matter how much we would like to fight it and say it's not so. Um... Mothers influence their children in career choices, to some to be wealthy. You know, they have that jingle on the TV, money, 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 money. Well, some, some mothers, that's their, that's their focus. They want their children to be wealthy, and they want them to get money, money, money. And that's, that's how they grow up. Some want them to be famous. Some mothers want their, their children to be famous. Self, 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 self. You know, me first. Push yourself forward. Famous. Be famous. Be a movie star, you know, be famous. Others want their children to have a political career. I don't know why anybody would want their child to have a political career, but there are some that do. And, you know, if you want to say the truth, that's just the lies and lies and lies and lies, right? Um, the best liar gets the, the, the biggest vote. Um, so, but some, some people have that, (laughs) some people have that ambition for their child to be politicians, others for them to be very educated. Um, I've known people, and I'm sure you have too, that education is their God. It's their ambition. They, they are going to school their whole lives long, getting one degree after another, after another, literally. Um, and education is, is, and, and that's a good thing. It's good. You know, there, there's, there's time and place for that. It's good. I'm not putting that down. It's good to be educated. Um, so that would be learn, learn, learn. And warriors, some, some families, they're, they're, they're warriors, they're military families, and they want their children to be in the military, and, and, and it's fight, 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 and, <laughs> and be, be part of that. And there's many, many more. I just picked out a few that, that popped into my head. And then mothers pass on character traits, whether it's being lazy or being hardworking, being happy or being grumpy. Uh, being kind or being unkind, mean and angry, being combative, being peaceful, being responsible, being irresponsible, being truthful or being liars, being honest or being cheats. Mothers pass those things on, irregardless of whether they think they are or not. Those things just get passed on, don't they? And um, so we see that... Um, when they say, when, when you marry, they say, when, when you're about to get married, check out your, how your husband, ha- what kind of relationship he has with his mother. How he treats his mother is undoubtedly 
how he will treat you. <laughs> and you're, you can learn a lot about your spouse by their relationship with, with their mother. And you, it's really true. You really can. And, um, you know, I, I, I need to insert this also that, you know, of course we know that, that there are moms that are, that are not good and that have done damage. Um, to their to their offspring also. Unfortunately, in the world we live, that there's more of that than than there I think ever used to be, and so um, sometimes that's but that follows us into our adult life too, and that causes us issues, and that causes us to struggle in other ways. And so the mom's influence is there, even when it's a negative one, and we don't want it to um, be there for us. It does. It is. It is there for us, and. It's not that it's in, that we can't do anything about it. Of course, we know as believers, we just heard faith. Uh, faith is an act. Is that what you said? Faith, <laughs> right? With God, all things are possible. Whether we've had a, a mom that's imparted uh, great things into us or not, and there's always a mix, right? There's some positives, there's some negatives. But with God, He comes and He. His Holy Spirit, as we've been hearing week after week, His Holy Spirit is there to empower us to become what we could never be, simply alone by our mother's influence and our father's influence. And so thank God we have the Lord in our lives. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we see the Bible tells us that it's important, the influence that we try to pass on to our children. I heard someone being interviewed on TV yesterday about how his mother influenced him, and he must have written a book about it, and I'm sure there were other things, but the one thing I heard was that how he never forgot the, the, the things his mother taught him was to be on time, and that he was always on time. And he, he uh, was telling a story about how, how you know people could even bet on him being on time and, and win money on it. Well, being on time is a good thing, but I want to tell you that there is one way you can influence your children for good and for eternity, and that is through God's word. You can leave them a million dollars to keep them from what, from want, and they can end up poor. You can leave them marble-floored palaces to live in, and they can be eternally homeless. You can leave them storehouses of resources, and they can end up eternally destitute. Or we can impart to them the greatest treasure in the entire world, which is God's word. God's word is incorruptible, unchanging, infallible. It's um, it's ever living. It doesn't die. It's an incorruptible seed, and it's words of life that go on and go on and go on because the word is the is Jesus is the word, and as we impart that into the lives and. If you're not a mom, you can impart the word into the lives of those around you as well. But moms especially have that privilege of pouring the word of God into the lives of their children. And that's what will hold them through the stuff that life is going to throw at them. Life happens to all. And we don't want to see anyone we love suffer, but our, our children do. They go through things. They suffer. There's stuff that happens in their lives. And we can't always be there for them. But the word of God, sown into their lives and bubbling up in their heart, is what's going to be a guide and a keeper and is going to keep them walking in paths of rightness for his namesake. And really, if you want to, you know, everybody's looking for security of some kind, shape, or form, right? Whether it's monetary security, whether it's 
um, relationship security. We're looking for a secure place for something that we can bank on. We can. This is a sure thing. Well, here it is. Here's the sure thing. The sure thing is the word of God. Nations rise and crumble. Economics rise and crumble. Things come and things go. But the word of God endures forever. The word of God makes help gets us through what we would never make it through on our own or in any other way. We used to sing a little chorus. I have a wonderful treasure, the gift of God without measure. We will travel together, my Bible and I. I had a grandfather that was passionately in love with the Word of God. And he used to, he used to make up his own medleys and sing one song after another about the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. If that's the book for me, I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. But he passionately loved the Word of God. I'm so thankful that I have had a grandfather like that, that had a passion. I was able to see that in action, a passion for the Word of God. This year was my first Bible, all, 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 my brother's first Bible also. This is called uh, The Bible in Pictures for Little Eyes. And as you can see, it's um, not in real good shape anymore. It's quite old. <laughs> um, and some of the pages are scribbled on or ripped or whatever. But these were, this was our first Bible. This is, um, when we look at this Bible, it brings back fond memories to us. We would look at the pictures before we could read, and my mom would tell us the Bible stories. And they were exciting to us. They were, they were our stories. This was our life. The Word was our life. We looked forward. We learned to read. I learned to read reading from the Bible, from the King James Version. And I was excited when I could look at the Bible and see a word that I could read. I could read the, and I could read and. And my father would say the other words around it, and I would I would repeat them. But when I saw a word I could read, that was exciting. And and that we were I remember even my brothers that it was an excitement to be able to participate in family worship as we read the word of God together. The word of God was a topic of discussion in our home. We didn't leave that for Sunday school. We didn't leave that for the preacher. Oh, well, he was the my dad was the preacher. But what I'm saying is. <laughs> What I'm saying is that it wasn't just a Sunday thing. It wasn't just for when we were at church. It was part of our dailiness. It was part of our daily living, the Word of God, the Bible. It was real to us. When my parents were perplexed or distressed, I knew where they went. They went to the Word of God. My mother often shared how the Word, she would go to the Word, and God would give her a Word to stand on. My brother once was terribly sick and nearly died, and my my father was off on a trip uh, ministering to the Chinese, and she was alone with my brother. I was at a camp working, and she was alone with at home with my brother, and he was in desperate, desperate condition. He was losing weight. The pounds were just dropping off of him, and um, she was praying, and she was praying, and she was praying, and God gave her a word to stand on, and Philip was healed, and God delivered him from that. But it, but it was the word of God, and we knew that was our that was our security. That was our backdrop of reference. When we had a question, it was, well, what does the word say about that? When we were punished, when we were disobedient, my 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 dad would say, "Do you know why I'm punishing you? Do you know what you have done?" And he would bring out God's word, and he would say, "See, this is what God's word says, and this is why you're being punished because it's contrary to God's word." And so. 
the Word was the ruler in our home. And I am so thankful for that. And I know that in the worst times of my life, that was what held me together and kept me from completely falling apart, was that there was something in there. There was that incorruptible seed of the Word of God deep down inside. I will hide your Word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I am uncomfortable talking about many topics in this world because I don't know much about them. There's uh, movies, for instance, and movie stars, and when they ask questions, we, we sometimes, we often watch Jeopardy, um, when they ask questions about that, I can't answer. If you talk to me about country singers, my friend Carol here, she loves country music, and she'll tell me something about this one, that one, or the other one, say, sorry, don't know, have no, no knowledge of that. But if you ask me a question about the word, you might be there for a while. Because <laughs> the word is my book. And, it, and it's my life, and I love it. And that's what we want to impart to others. That's what's going to endure. It's his word. It's not about us. It's about him, and it's about his word. The Israelites were instructed to talk to their children about God's law continually. When we studied, uh, when, we, when we did the vacation Bible school, we learned how, how when they went in and when they went out, they, they kissed the Shema, and, they, and the, the words from, from that I'm going to read to you. Now, this is the commandment. These are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded you to teach, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing. This is when the people were going into the promised land, into the land you are to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, so often we forget that the promises of God are conditional. They're conditional upon our obedience. We need to obey. A lot of people want to claim the promises of God and say, oh God, you said, you said, you said, when they're living in sin. It doesn't work like that. We have to obey. We have to have an ear to hear. That's what the, that's what the Shema said. Hear, O Israel. Not with just, not just to hear auditory, but to hear with our heart to obey. Faith is an action. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. It's with action. Hearing with action. That, tra- that changes our living, changes our lifestyle. We would choose to do this, but because we know God's word is instructing us to do this, we go this way. And we have to apply it. It has to be practical. The word of God is practical. I said this in Sunday school this morning, and to my dismay, I've, I've heard plenty of people say, oh, we don't want to just come to church and hear the, hear the stories from the Bible. That happened 2,000 years ago. That doesn't do us any good. Well, I, I gotta tell you, <laughs> I gotta tell you, it will do you good. It will do you good. Because even though the times change and the generations come and go, God's word endures forever. And the principles are there. And it may not have your exact set of circumstances in there, but I wanna tell you, if you get full of the word, when you get in a crunch, God will be able to impart his wisdom to you through what is written in his word. And that's where it's gonna come from. So we need to we need to hear his word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. I'm telling you, this is what God had in mind when he when he when he brought the Israelites into relationship with himself. He wanted to live in their homes with them. He wanted to be in relationship with them. He wanted to talk with them. He wanted them to talk about it when they were sitting in their house, when they were walking on the road, when they were lying down, when they were rising up, talking about the commandments of the Lord and how to walk in them. How else will we get it? You know, what we talk about to our children, they hear, they pick up. Often, right, you've heard a kid come out with something, they go, whoa, where'd they get that from? They've heard some adults say that, right? They've picked it up from somebody else. And so if we're talking about the Word of God, they'll be talking about the Word of God. And um, the Lord wants it to be a daily thing. That was the picture that he gave them in the wilderness when they didn't have bread. The bread was a type of his word, right? And he said that he, he sent them enough for every day. He didn't send, the, send them enough for uh, a whole week at a time. He sent them enough for each day because there's that dailiness. We need the word of God. We need to be feeding on the word of God daily, not just, not just once on Sunday, get enough for seven days, and okay, I'll see you next Sunday, and that's it. No, we need to be dwelling on the, in the word of God daily. And you know, not to put undue burdens on us. No, God's not like that. We may only be able to read a verse today, but that's okay. God's word is powerful, and that verse will will get you through the day. And, you know, sometimes there's been that idea in, in Christian world that, you know, you have to, how much you read, you know, how much you read. You have to read so much every day. Well, if if you read you if you read 10 chapters and, and, you, and you didn't get nothing out of it, then, you know, what's the point? The point is for us to be meditating on God's word where it's changing us, where we're living it out in our daily life, where we're being blessed by it, we're able to bless others by it. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes, going back to the scripture. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, he wanted his word and his commands to be like their, their daily bread, daily bread, the air they breathe. And David got it, didn't he? Because when we read in the Psalms, we see David continually talking about thy word was this, and your word is this, and I I love your word, and your word was to me this, and your word was to me that. And David got it, and that's why God said he was a man after his own heart. And so we can pass that on. We can pass that enthusiasm on. Think about people who get who achieve great things. You know, like when the Olympics were on, we saw um, Phelps um, get however many medals medals he got. And that's amazing, right? You watch him win all by a second or a hundredth of a second. He, he gets another gold medal, you know. Well, somebody started breeding that into him when he was very young and in, gave him excitement about that and encouraged him and put out there before him swimming lessons and, and all of that. What we pass on gets transferred into the lives of others around us. And so let's do that with the word. Proverbs says, My son, keep your father's commandments. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And the Bible does correct us if we'll allow it to. When we're about to go the wrong way, when we're about to make a mistake, if we'll heed the the checks, if we'll listen, 
the Bible can spare us. You know, sometimes we can be spared stuff in our lives. Um, you know, not always. Some, there's some things that just happen. But sometimes if we'll mind and pay attention and hear God's voice, there's times where we've gone heedlessly forward when we knew that probably this wasn't the right way or, the, or what God really wanted us to do. And we suffer the consequences of that. And that we could have been spared that. And so God's word um, will keep us out of, out of, out of some trouble. There's this little uh, thing about the Bible, which I've read to you before. The one book, the only book, the great book, God's book, our book for eternity, the book we must have, the book we badly need. Oh, if we miss this book, we miss everything. If we keep out of this book, we keep out of the life of God. If we fail to devour it, if we fail to understand it, we fail in everything that is worth having. God is in this book. It is the book of all books. It is the necessity of every soul. Get into this book. Pray over it. Get it into your mind. Live it. Obey it. It will deliver you from the world, the flesh, and the devil. It will be your passport into glory. God is going to judge us according to our knowledge of his word and what we what we did with it. What we did with what he gave us. And he's given us the book, hasn't he? And he does expect us to apply it to our daily lives. And then there's that verse that uh, again to Timothy that from a child you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, we want our children to be thoroughly equipped, give them everything they could possibly need so that they don't have wants and and here it is, all that they need, all that they need. You may not be able to give them money. You may not be able to give them education. You may not be able to give them whatever the fastest cars, whatever, whatever, you know, this world system is, is pushing on us that, that they need to have, the latest technology and all of that. But if you can give them the word of God, they'll be equipped for every good work. And people put so much effort into being the um, gold medalists of Tillywinks. Why shouldn't we be the gold medalists of the Word of God? <laughs> it's true. It's true. People put great effort to be the champion of some ridiculous, absurd thing. And the best that's something that, like, what? Somebody actually spends their time doing that? Why shouldn't we be experts and, and get the gold medals in knowing God's Word and applying it to our lives? It is truth. God's truth. They say kids don't come with an instruction manual, but I want to tell you that God's, God's word is a great instruction manual for, for all of our living. A mother always wishes she could shield her child from all that would hurt them or harm them in any way, and the Bible is the best protection that we can give them. And it will hold us through the tests and the trials. Numerous blessings are promised to those who obey God's word and apply it to our lives. And we must consider it not an option, but a mandate on our lives. Sow the word of God into our children, but also into all. And if your children are grown and older, you can still sow the word of God into their life. You can still pray the word over their lives, even if they're living on the other side of the world. Pray the word over their lives. When you speak to them, remind them of the word of God in a loving way. Of course, don't hammer them with it, but... But but in a loving way, remind them, always point them back to the word of God because that is what will help them. 
I thank God for my mom who taught me to love God's word and <clears throat> thankful that she's still with me. And we are actually going to um, attempt to sing an old song for you about the Bible. Give me the dear old Bible as my guide each day. Be it my help and comfort on my pilgrim way. Until the gates of glory I at last shall see. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Good enough for me, yes, good enough for me. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Good enough for me, yes, good enough for me. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Give me the dear old Bible as my teacher true. Precious the words of promise, old yet ever new. On every page the love of God I plainly see. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Good enough for me, yes, good enough for me. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Good enough for me, yes, good enough for me. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Give me the dear old Bible as a shining light that will illumine me and guide my steps aright. Be it my sword to drive away the enemy. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Good enough for me, yes, good enough for me. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Good enough for me, yes, good enough for me. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Give me the dear old Bible when my life shall end, when in the veil of shadow it will comfort lend. It shall endure for time and all eternity. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Good enough for me, yes, good enough for me. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. Good enough for me, yes, good enough for me. The dear old Bible is good enough for me. <laughs> now we're going to ask all the moms to come forward, and we want to pray for you, and we have a gift for all the moms today also.